Well, good morning, Oakwood family. So glad you're here today. We are starting a new series today called Swords and Thrones. Going to be looking at the story of Hezekiah. But before we do that this morning, I do want to introduce you to a few people that are going to be running around as our interns this summer. So, yeah. It's time for some introductions of some interns this morning. So... Starting with technical arts and production, bringing his mad skills, he stands four foot eight, Austin Neely. Also starting as an intern in the worship department, bringing his mad guitar and singing skills to it to serve the Lord, stands at six foot ten, Ethan Morris. And also starting with video production, making the videos and doing the website. Also operational support. He's even going to middle school camp. Let's give it up for Kieran Niles. Nice. All right. Now I want you to remember these guys. You think you'll remember them now? guys. No, just kidding. Hey, I just wanted to introduce these guys to you. They are going to be working uh, for us this summer as a church. They are our summer interns, and they're going to be working all over the church, a lot of times behind the scenes. Sometimes you might occasionally see them on platform. They're going to church camp, and they're just helping us in a lot of different areas. So I just want you to know them. I want you to support them. Uh, when you see them in the lobby, you see them after a service, give them a high five, get to know them, support them, uh, love on them. Uh, they are doing a, a whole lot for our church right now, and we are super excited uh, to have them join us this summer. So let's give it a hand for our summer interns. Yes, thanks guys. So again, that's Austin, Ethan, and Kieran. Austin, Ethan, and Kieran. So now we go from the fun to the divine, right? So get out your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 18. That's where we're going to be today as we learn about this, this man named Hezekiah. And as always, just a reminder, if you don't have your paper Bible with you this morning and you want to follow along, we encourage you to engage the Word of God. And so if you have your phone, if you have a tablet, you can download the Oakwood app. And when you open the Oakwood app, there's a little box on there that says Sermon Notes. If you click on that, all of the scriptures and all the bullet points and everything will be there for you. There's even a way for you to take notes in the app and to save those for uh, later reference. So we want you to engage the word of God this morning. We feel like that's the best way we learn uh, from the Lord God Almighty and to be full of his word. So many times in life, businesses, nonprofits, organizations, rise and fall on their leadership. As we begin this series this morning called Swords and Thrones and looking at the life of Hezekiah, we are going to see what brought Hezekiah such great success in the kingdom of God. Because he is a man who was a leader. In fact, he was a king of the southern kingdom called Judah. And so many times, even in the scripture, we read how things rise and fall on their leadership, right? This is true in the business world. Tell me if you've ever heard of any of these places. How about Pier 1 Imports? You ever heard of Pier 1 Imports? Anybody remember? Raise your hand. Pier 1 Import people. Yeah. It's a cool store. Gone. Ceases to exist. If you read their backstory to it, 
Even businesses sometimes rise and fall on their leadership. What about, a, what about a, a place called Kodak? You remember Kodak? Anybody remember that? Cameras and film? Kodak film? I remember my, uh, one of my jobs in Bible college, I worked at this company called Software Academy. We had a copier that was like 20 feet long. It did all this cool features. It was a Kodak copier. So they not only did films and cameras, uh, copiers, they were the leaders. Kodak, gone. Ceased to exist. How many of you remember this story we had in Enid? I remember it as a kid and loved it even into my teen and adult years, Radio Shack. Anybody remember Radio Shack? That was awesome. And they're gone. What about Blockbuster Video? Yeah, Blockbuster Video. They didn't think it was going to go digital. They were going to still keep, you know, renting the tapes and the DVDs and now they're gone. You were going to Oklahoma City, to the north side of Oklahoma City. When you were a kid or, or, or maybe, you know, as a parent, you're buying stuff for your kids. You remember Toys R Us? Yeah, Toys R Us ceases to exist. And you could go on and you can name all of these businesses and organizations that seem to be, wow, stellar. I mean, they got, you know, hundreds, maybe a thousand locations. Maybe they're even international, they're worldwide, and they rise and they fall on their leadership. But it's just not those. Can you think of sports franchises that sometimes rise and fall in their leadership? I was thinking about the Chicago Bulls, remember, from the 90s? They had this dynasty. I mean, they went championship after championship after championship. And you know the story. There's this guy named Michael Jordan, and then he's going to retire, and he's going to play baseball. No, no, wait, I'm back, and then you know, we're going to win another championship. And you go through all these things, and you see, but they didn't plan for the future. You see, they rise, and they fall on their leadership. The Oklahoma City Thunder are rebuilding for the future still, okay? <laughs> but so many times you lose those leaders on your team, they rise and fall on their leadership. And as we look at the Old Testament, if you've been reading the, the devotion we've been doing as a church uh, this year, as we've been through First and Second Chronicles, First and Second Kings, now getting more into the prophets, we have read how Israel and how Judah, and, and, and through the book of Judges and even to the book of Kings and Chronicles, how God's people and the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, rise and fall on their leadership. And then I think even into God's church today, sometimes churches rise and fall. On leadership. Now you can make the make the, the statement that well, God really is the leader of the church, but God doesn't point uh, what we study in Scripture a plurality of godly men called elders to lead His church. And sometimes churches seem to rise and fall on their leadership. Have you ever heard of a church called Mars Hill? They even have a podcast, "The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill." Seattle, Washington, Mark Driscoll, ran over 20,000. Today, they cease to exist. What about Willow Creek? Willow Creek, one of the mega gigas, 35,000 people, runs about 6,000 today. What happened? Even churches sometimes rise and fall in their leadership. And then I think we boil it down to even families sometimes. That sometimes families rise and fall on their leadership. Okay, something popped on my mic and life's come out. So let me fix this really quick. Sorry about that. Okay, hopefully I'll be better. 
Sometimes families rise and fall in their leadership. And today as we look at the life of Hezekiah, I want you to understand he was not only addressed as king, addressed as a dad and a father in his household, he was a leader in so many areas. And, and let's just get into the text this morning and read. Who is this man? And how did he have success? What were some of the things that caused his rise to influence and greatness as a leader, as the king of the southern kingdom of Judah? 2 Kings chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, the king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. But wait, didn't we just read that Ahaz was his father? The son of Ahaz. Verse 4. He removed the high places. He smashed the sacred stones. He cut down the Asherah poles. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. It was called Nehushtan. We read about that story. We'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 5. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him amongst all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given to Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines finally as far as Gaza and its territory. What can we learn? What caused Hezekiah's rise to, to leadership and influence and greatness for the kingdom? First thing is this this morning. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. We read that in verse 3. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. Notice that it mentions his father David. It's not actually like that King David was his father. It's just that David, that man after God's own heart, they're skipping Ahaz and all the rest of the lineage there, going back to David saying, hey, even as his father, he modeled his life after his father, David, the father of the line of the kings of the nation of Israel. Because if you read about Ahaz, his real dad, do you remember some of the stories of Ahaz? Ahaz actually sacrificed a son on an altar by burning him to death. Why would you do that? That was a pagan altar. That was a pagan practice that you would actually do child sacrifice and burn your child while they're still alive on the altar, okay? So kids, you're thankful for your parents right now, right? Any of the kids in here? Wow. Glad mom and dad have not done that, right? But seriously, it's crazy what Ahaz did. He was full of idol worship. He encouraged paganism. He actually stole gold and silver from the temple of God, the temples, gold and silver, and gave it to an Assyrian king to form an alliance to protect himself, to protect Judah. He also did this. He actually altered God's temple, the design of the temple. You remember how explicit in design God made it. It was supposed to be this exact way. And... He altered it for his own purpose. Bad, bad dude. And he is Hezekiah's dad. This is what was modeled for Hezekiah in his life, was Ahaz, his father. 
But we read in verse 3, how did it all change? You see, Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and not what was right in the eyes of man. I think if we're being honest as Christians this morning, this is something that we could learn from. How many times we pattern our life and our decisions after man? How often are we more concerned with man and man's approval in whatever area or standard it may be more than the Lord's? And what does it say about Hezekiah, whose dad was Ahaz? What does it say there, verse 3? He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, not what was right in the eyes of man. And I wonder how our lives and how our Christianity, how our following Christ might be different if we cared more about what was right in the eyes of the Lord and not what is right in the eyes of the world. If you were to do an honest, step back, look inside, get gut level real and authentic this morning, can we do that in God's church? If you were to get really real this morning, would you step back and say, oh yeah, I might struggle with that. Because I'll just tell you, even though I'm a pastor, oh yeah, I have struggled with that. This sometimes, we are even tempted to make decisions in our lives based on what man thinks instead of what God thinks. And here Hezekiah is modeling for us the greatness of success in leadership in his kingdom was based on the fact that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And guess what? He left the results to God. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He left the results to God. He didn't care about the results. He said, I'm doing what's right in the Lord's eyes. And sometimes the world might see results and say, ooh, that's not a good result to the world's standards. Money, intelligence, ability, beauty, that doesn't add up. That's the world's standards. Maybe it doesn't look good to the world, but it looks awful good to the kingdom. the kingdom. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. I think that's our baseline challenge from this passage today. When you make decisions, when you think about your future, when you go home and you're talking to your spouse and you're making decisions, when you go to work and you're making decisions, when you're bringing up the next generation and you're making decisions, do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. The second thing this morning Because he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, he removed the evil, the sinful, and the distractions. He removed the evil things, the sinful things, and anything that distracted. Look at what it says in verse 4. It says he removed the high places. These were places of pagan and idol worship. He smashed the sacred stones. These weren't God's stones. These were some pagan idols they had made. And he cut down the Asherah poles. The Asherah poles that we read so much about in the Old Testament had to do with fertility cults. These were cults. These were all idols in worship and, and cults that were going against God. Look what it says next there in verse 4. He broke into pieces. Sometimes you've got to break it and you've got to break it into pieces. You can't just remove it. You've got to break it. Break it off and break it into a thousand pieces. He broke into pieces. What did he break into pieces? The bronze snake that Moses had made. Uh-oh. For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. And it's funny. It's called Nehushtan. And if you look, if you, if you know that word and, and you said it in the Hebrew the right way, um, it sounds like bronze snake. And so that, that's, that's what it was. 
We, we read that story there in Numbers 21. So you may want to write that down if you're taking notes. Numbers 21, go read it this week. Numbers 21 tells us the story. Do you remember what was happening here with the bronze snake erected on a pole before Israel? Israel was doing what they do, right? Walking away from God, not pleasing God. And what they did is, is God, what God did is he said, you know, I'm sending a judgment on them to turn them back to me. And they're gonna, I'm going to send venomous snakes into the camp by the thousands. Any snake people here? Yeah, don't raise your hand because you're just a weirdo if you like snakes. We all hate snakes. So I got a pool, okay, I'm a cool dad now. I got a pool in my backyard, I run this above ground one just a couple weeks ago. And I have this fake snake that's in my garden to keep the uh, squirrels away, which doesn't work by the way. So it's a total waste. But anyway, so I took this snake and I put it in the bottom of the pool. So like the first day the girls are going to get into the pool, they're all talking about it and stuff. I put this in the bottom in the middle of my pool. It looks legit. I mean, it's just the right size. You know, it's not, you know, an Amazon boa constrictor. I mean, it's just the right size. and. Anyway, I had a great time with it, and I got the girls, and I got them through it, and then I was like, you know, go get mom. Get mom to come out. And so Amy comes out to look at, you know, and she's like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. And I was like, I think it's dead. It's not moving. I think it's dead. And I have a pole in there, and I'm kind of trying to fish out. Yeah, it's not moving. I think it's dead. I think it's drowned, you know. She's like, I don't want to see it. She comes up, and she's like, ah, ah. You know, she goes running off into the house. I don't want to see it. I want to see it. And so anyway, I get it out, and you know how you can do with these rubber snakes. You can jiggle them, and it looks like they're just, you know, they're alive. They're fighting for their life. And this thing's probably, you know, about yay long. I mean, just long enough to be really concerning. And so we're bringing it as, you know, up to the house. Look, it's dead. It's dead. You know, and just, just a rubber snake. But had a great time. No one likes snakes, right? These venomous snakes come into the camp of Israel to bite, to bite the Israelites, God's chosen people, because of their sinfulness and their turning away from God. And God tells Moses to, Moses built this thing. God tells Moses to erect this thing, this bronze snake head on a pole to put it above the camp. And if you got bit by a venomous snake, you would go before that. And if you looked up and you looked into the eyes of the venomous snake on the pole, then you would be healed. But that was the only way you would be healed. What that represented to Israel was this was a reminder that God is over all, that God is the healer, that you are not serving God, you are not pleasing God. This was a reminder of God and his divine power. And now what it had become was an idol. It wasn't reminding people of God and his divine power. It was, it was something they were actually burning incense to. You see, sometimes we're called to do hard things. And one of those is that when we are called to remove some things or break into pieces, some things that are not pleasing to God. Sometimes you're going to have to leave some things so that you can walk in the Lord's presence. And if we're being honest this morning, sometimes removal is painful, isn't it? I mean, removal is painful. Sometimes it's like surgery and you got to recover from it and it was yucky before it happened. Then you, you did what God wanted you to do and it's still yucky afterwards. I mean, especially I think in the area of relationships, those relationships, you know, friends influence your life. They influence the quality and the direction of your life. So I always say, be careful who your friends are. Be careful who you allow to influence your life. A lot of times you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Careful who you hang out with. Oh, but he's a funny old guy. It's painful when you have to remove something that's causing you to move away from God. Because sometimes we love those people. Some is that hobby. That's that hobby that keeps you out of ministry, keeps you out of serving the Lord, keeps you distracted, keeps you here 1.2 times per month, just like the rest of the Christians in America, attending church, the solid 1.2 times per month. You know, it's whatever it is. It's that hobby. 
It's not that golf, fishing, hunting, camping, whatever it is, softball tournaments, it's not that it's bad. It's not bad. It's just that when that becomes something that becomes the main thing in your life and you find that you're giving more attention to that than more attention to the things of the Lord, it might be time for you to remove something that is a distraction you look at what Hezekiah had to do. It was those high places, smashed stones, cut down poles, and broken to pieces a bronze snake. And then let's see what happens next. The next thing that we get from verse 5 is that he put his full trust in the Lord. It's the third thing I want you to get this morning. He put his full trust in the Lord. Read verse 5. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. Now read what it says, okay? Because he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, what happens? Because he trusted, there was no one like him amongst the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. That's a big statement from the Holy Word of God. Hezekiah was known as such a great king. There was no one better than Hezekiah before him or after him. Why? Well, look at the beginning of the verse. He trusted in the Lord. So maybe to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord and to remove the evil, the sinful, the distractions, maybe we need to back it up to a deeper level question and say, who do we really trust? Who do we really trust? If an outsider were to follow you around, someone that doesn't know you at all, maybe they just know your first name, that's it. If they were to follow you around and they were to hear your conversations, and they were to see into your mind what you think about, and they looked into your bank account to see what your expenses are, they saw how you spent your time every day, how you spent your thought life, things that you were concerned about. They saw how you actually spent all of your time, whether it's at work or in leisure or at home, at night or in the morning. And if they looked at the whole thing and they said, this is pointing that you trust in something or someone, what would the answer be? Just based on the aesthetics of it all, just based on the outcomes, just based on, on the output of your life, okay? Yeah, we didn't have a conversation, they don't know anything. But just based on your calendar, just based on your, your checking account, just based on your time spent, just based on what you spend most of your time thinking, obsessing about, if they just were looking at that, if they just looked at your Facebook posts, if they just looked at your social media, what would they say you trust in? Because Hezekiah, it says, he trusted in the Lord. And because of that, there was no one greater than him. Because he really trusted in the Lord. He didn't trust in his bank account and how much money he's got to fall back on. He didn't trust in the stock market. He didn't, he didn't trust in, 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 in the government, and he was the head of it. He, he didn't trust in his abilities. He didn't trust in his talents. He didn't, he says that he trusted in the Lord. Do you really trust in the Lord? Or do you find yourself struggling with worry and anxiety and stress all the time because you're trusting in yourself? Some of us find ourselves, if we're being really honest this morning, some of us find ourselves trusting in relationships. We pour ourselves into these male and female relationships and just our whole life, existence, schedule, money, everything is around this person. Some of us, it's, it's our ability. Some of us, it's what we look like. 
just, just we get kind of obsessed with, with, with how we, we look like because that's tied to how we feel about ourselves and perceive ourselves. Sometimes it's just, it's just our ability. We just want to grow and be the best football player ever with the biggest arm and, you know, cannon and, uh, for an arm and, you know, whatever it is. You fill in the blank. But are you trusting in something other than God? If an outsider were to come in and look, what would they say? The fourth thing this morning, he held fast to the Lord and he did not stop following him. Now, as we read and study 2 Kings 18, 19, 20, and we, we're going to do that over the next two weeks, as we look at the life of Hezekiah and we see that he held fast to the Lord, did not stop following him. I'm not saying that he was perfect, okay? His name is not Jesus, the Son of God, sinless and perfect. We're going to look at some parts of his leadership that were maybe short-sighted a little bit. But we need to understand that he held fast to the Lord. Look what it says there in verse 6, the exact wording. He held fast to the Lord, did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given even unto Moses. So all of the commands going all the way back, he kept those, and he kept them by holding fast to the Lord. I wanted to know what that held fast was. In, in the original language uh, for the Old Testament and the Hebrew, that word held fast there means to cling to, to cleave to, to be adjoined to. So it doesn't mean merely to follow closely. But that's not what it means. It means there's, just actually, there's actually this adjoining there. There's this connection piece there. When you hold fast to the Lord, you cling to the Lord. You cleave unto the Lord. You are adjoined and very, very, very close. And always in the presence of the Lord. And because of that, it was easier for Hezekiah to keep the Lord's commands. You ever, you, ever, you ever experienced that in your life, you know, you're a kid, and you'll kind of do something you know you're not supposed to do, but then dad, in dad's presence, in the holy presence of your father, you're like, I would never say that, I would never do that. I mean, you may be sassing your mom, right? But when dad comes home, guess what? I treat mom with the most utmost respect in the world because I love my mother and she's great. Sometimes it's harder to sin when you're in the presence of the heavenly father. And not only that for Hezekiah, but he held fast. He, he clung to God. And I wonder sometimes, if we were just a little closer, how our lives might be different. Last thing this morning. And the Lord was with him through it all. Everything that happened, the Lord was with him through it all. And isn't that what we desire have you ever thought about that? I mean, most of us here this morning could be doing a million other things, sleeping in, worshiping at St. Mattress, St. Mattress Cathedral of Faith. Could be at a ball game. Could be watching the ESPN highlights. There's a lot of other things you could be doing. Maybe playing around at golf, watching the storms roll in, just sitting on the back porch. There's a lot of different things we could be doing, but I think most of us, we desire to be close to God. Most of us desire to be close to God. We want to obey his commands, and we know what it says in Hebrews about forsaking the gathering of the saints together. And so this is important to us to be here, to grow, to trust in the Lord. 
And that was the thing, is the Lord was with him through it all. Look at verse 7. It says, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. Man, isn't that what we want? I just want some success here. He was successful in whatever he undertook because the Lord was with him. So catch this from, from this passage, these eight verses today. Catch all of the cause and effect, okay? Hezekiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done, okay? He removed the high places, smashed sacred stones, cut down the Asherahs, broke into pieces, all of this. He was successful in all that. Why? Because he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, because he removed the things that were sinful and distracting. He broke into pieces the things that were distracting to the nation of Israel. It says that there was no one like him amongst the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. Why? Because Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. He kept following God's commands. Why? Because he held fast to the Lord and he did not stop following him. Do you not think he was distracted? Do you, not, do you think the devil was just like, oh, Hezekiah is so good, I'm just going to leave him alone? No. Hezekiah came against things. Hezekiah was tempted. Maybe he was tempted like his father David was tempted, standing on the roof of the palace looking across the kingdom. Oh, there's another Bathsheba. But he hung on fast to the Lord. And he was successful in whatever he undertook in verse 7. Why? Because the Lord was with him. You see, I think we can draw out of these eight verses this morning is that God was the Lord of Hezekiah's life. He wasn't just his savior, even though he was. He wasn't just an advisory to him. He was the Lord. Do you know what that word Lord means? It means master. The Lord God Almighty was Hezekiah's master. And guess what? When you have a master and you have a Lord, you do what your Lord and your master tells you to do. And when you do that, you'll be the greatest. You'll have success in whatever you undertake because you are clinging fast and trusting in and obeying and doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. Oh, church, that we would be devoted as well. Can you imagine a group of Christians and how different our life would be, how different our life would look if we did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and we quit being concerned about what looks good to the world? Can you imagine what your influence, the leadership in your life might look like if you did and you were more concerned about what was right in the eyes of the Lord and not in anything this world has to offer? Can you imagine what God's church would look like if God's church did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and left the results to God? We're just going to do what's right. We're going to do what this word says. We're going to veer from it. We're going to add to it. We're not going to subtract from it. We're not going to cross out the sections that make us uncomfortable. We're not going to try to embrace the sinfulness and, oh, yeah, well, that's not what God meant. Yeah, it's do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And I wonder, what would our legacy look like? What would your legacy look like as a, just as a Christian, as a human being? What would the legacy in your business look like? I mean, if someone were to write something on your tombstone, wouldn't that be one of the ones you'd want? He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. 
Does anything else matter? Maybe what matters is because the Lord was the Lord of his life. God Almighty is the Lord of our life. 